Whether I'm turkey hunting, scouting, or glassing for game, I never go into the woods without my Vortex Optics. With their VIP warranty, I can go with confidence because it'll replace any glass damaged in the woods. I dropped my binoculars out of the deer stand last fall, and Vortex got me fixed up and back in the tree in no time. Vortex makes the highest quality and affordable rangefinders, binoculars, and scopes on the market. Y'all check them out at vortexoptics.com. But we wanted to just make a film that celebrated the river because it was conserved. Two years ago, 1.5 million people visited the park. You're listening to the Ozark Podcast, presented by Inland. We sit down with men and women from the Ozarks that have a passion for the outdoors. Our aim is to listen, learn, and pass along their knowledge and experiences to help you become a better outdoorsman. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kyle Lee. Welcome back for another episode of the Ozark Podcast. You've got Kyle Veet on the mic as always, and I'm sitting outside in Garfield, Arkansas today uh, with the owner, founder, CEO, videographer, and producer of Bluffline Media, uh, Mr. Andrew McNeese. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. How are you? Thank you for having me, Kyle. Yeah. Excited to be a part of it. Welcome to the great town of Garfield. It's it's a pleasure. I've most of the times when I'm coming through Garfield, I'm headed to the tailwaters at Beaver. Yeah, and um, I can't say I've spent a whole lot of time in Garfield, so I'm excited to <laughs> to be out here. Well, you know, there's not a lot. Uh, have you stopped and gotten any ice cream at the? Uh, I I have seen the the giant ice stop. cream cones mm-hmm. at the shortstop. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. That's our claim to fame. Well, it's known widely. It, it really around is. Around Northwest Arkansas. We tell people we're from Garfield, everybody brings it up. They're and like, oh, you got the ice you cream. You got the ice cream thing. Yeah. And the castle right next to it. Yes, that's my wife teaches there. That's that's the longest contiguously used schoolhouse in the state. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. And, so, and it's probably going to only, we'll see what happens, but maybe the next few years it's probably going to get consolidated and shut down. Gotcha. They're not up to code uh, for, this has nothing to do with, Anything, but they're not up to code with uh for handicap such, such oh, okay. as that. Yeah, and so there's this sort of this uh, top down thing. All the schools have to to meet certain requirements. And Garfield School is just an old. It's like it's awesome though. It's got those old hardwood floors. It's like this, the the gym is like downstairs and like this dungeon because it's all. Yeah, it's it's super cool. Yeah, she loves teaching there. But you know, it's got a it's got an interesting look on the outside. You drive yeah. by it and you're like, is that a <laughs> like 15th century castle is, is that a moat I see you is wonder, there a drawbridge yeah. and alligators all around it you wonder why they chose exactly that style yeah. uh, but you know they didn't ask us what you do what you gotta do yeah. man. it's memorable you know it's noticeable yeah. so um, but yeah absolutely <laughs> cool I wanted to start just with um, obviously Bluffline Media um, it's something that I think a lot of people a lot of our listeners have probably in some form or fashion have seen some of your work and um, and obviously you can tell just by the name of it, it's a media company. But but how do you describe uh, what Bluffline Media is? What you do? Uh, how would you describe that? Yeah, so it's it's kind of crazy for me to think about how many views we've gotten, how many people have seen these videos we've put out, how how many people have come out to the crowds recently at our premieres. Um, I I just a few years back. So in 2018, I started up Bluffline. Uh, prior to that, um, I was just I was a photographer. Uh, I was on Instagram back in the early days when it was really just photographers, yeah, you know. Right, before it was cool. Yeah, and, well, and that's how I met guys like Jeff Rose and, and other guys in the Ozarks because we would come up here to visit. Well, I'm from North Mississippi. Right. Uh, my wife and I would come up when we'd get a three-day weekend or something from a fall break, 
uh, and we would go up to the Buffalo. We'd camp at uh, Sam's Throne, places like this, you know, and that's part of how we fell in love with the area. Um, but, you know, you it was the beginnings of you could find places, right? You would see the picture and you say, oh, where's that, yeah, you know? Right. And this is probably before you were tagging locations or anything, but, um, you know, these these guys would tell you, you know, and it was kind of was kind of neat so you could get around and, and do some stuff um but i had just moved up so we moved up here to northwest arkansas um in 2016 okay and uh, i got a call from a guy uh, tanner burge who's a great photographer on instagram and he said hey we're going down and doing some filming uh on the little red river it looks like you're into fly fishing a little bit you want to come down it's this company rock monkey we're just gonna be doing some photography for their for their clothes and I said, yes, you know, thanks for inviting me. So we went down and uh, met some fly fishing guides and such and had a big time. Uh, and a few weeks later, I got a call from one of these fellas, uh, Ben Woodard. Uh, and I, I, we got along out there at the shoot. And he said, you know, uh, I'm starting up this rod company, Woodard Rod Co. Um, I, I really want it to be successful. I need some media. Right. Um, I really I have this idea for this, like, full-length documentary on fly fishing in Arkansas. Nobody's done that before. Uh, and I've, I, you know, I want to showcase these three rivers. Can you make this film for me? Uh, and I said, Ben, I, I don't know how to make films. I've never made a film. I'm a photographer. Right. Um, I do the still stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, but he said, you know, well, I don't have a lot of money. I said, okay. Okay. <laughs> I said, so, you know, he, he believed in me, you know, he said, well, you can do it. And I, I thought, well, I, uh, yes, I'm not going to charge him, of course, what an actual filmmaker would charge him. We'll do our best, yeah. uh, and we'll see what happens, you know. Um, and it was a blast, you know. We went out, we filmed uh, on the White River, met a lot of great folks over there, Little Red and Little Missouri down in uh, the Wachitals. Um, and putting the whole thing together, it was this whole new challenge, you know, and dealing with the audio and all this, and I just, I couldn't go back to just photography after Yeah, that. you kind of had a taste of it, and you yeah. you wanted to keep going. Yeah, Um and so all that was over, and I was like, I can, I can get better, though, you know, and I want to keep doing it, and I want to keep meeting fly fishing, you know, anglers and make more connections there as well because it was a, a sport, I guess you could say, yeah. a hobby I was getting into. Right. Um, yeah, so I started up Bluffline to sort of make it official, and it's really, it's just me. You know, it's, I feel like I'm masquerading as, like, yeah. this company. It's just, <laughs> I know. I'm In my intro, I'm going through CEO, videographer, producer. It's yeah. like, this is a one-man band. You're, you're, And it's impressive. I really thought, watching some of the videos that you've put out, the quality of everything is, like, I really thought that it would have been at least two or three people kind of running it. But Well, it's. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it's in some ways, it is a one-man band, and in more ways, it's not. You know, um, I've brought photographers along for every Ozark on the Fly um, you know, Jeff Rose, one of the main sort of right-hand men, you know, I can't do the video and I've tried and do the photos yeah. on the same. I just, I know there are probably guys out there that are good enough to do both in, in one outing, but it's just, uh, it's a struggle for me. Um, but no, we've had, uh, Connor Cockrell, uh, Sam Starr, Jeff Rose come out and help out. Um, and just the people that have been in these films, uh, you know, or if you don't have people that are into it, that are excited about it, that can do a good job with interviews, that can catch fish, you right, know, yeah. uh, you know, and, and then more recently with the, the bigger project with the Buffalo River, you need people that are, that are enthusiastic, willing to, to sit down, but also good at what they do. Yeah. Um, and so without that just wealth of talent, none of this would be 
happening. Right. I just go out, I shoot it. They're the ones that are doing the stuff. I just shoot it, you know, and then I bring it home, cut it together with a little music and send it out. (laughs) You know. You give yourself uh, not enough credit. I mean, it's it's impressive, but you're right. I can can recognize that it's definitely, it doesn't make sense to... uh, you don't want to have a fishing video without any fish caught, right? Yeah. You got to have someone catching the fish. My gosh, and we've been so fortunate in that. It's almost like uh, you want to knock on wood because uh, for the Ozarks on the Fly uh, series that we kind of kicked up, that was our, that was the thing. It was like Fly Fish Arkansas. We did these three rivers. Mm-hmm. It is this sort of whole story. Um, but I thought, well, let's do that episodic and let's keep it going. Mm. So it's just it's sort of an extension of what we had started there, um, and. Yeah, it's like every outing we just caught fish and caught good fish. Yeah. And that is not always, you know. It's not like that every day. Well, and that's the thing with, I was kind of excited to sort of branch out from fly fishing uh, more recently because if the fish don't cooperate, it really is a major challenge. Yeah. Whereas if you're dealing with mountain bikers or trail runners or, you know, any of these other things, they just do what they do and it, yeah. it's fine. It's always there. Yeah, you do, and you can and you can direct them and you can say, "Hey, will you do that again for me?" Yeah. <laughs> the fish they don't do that. They catch that same fish again in that <laughs> yeah. same way. Yeah, or fish don't flop out of your hand. You know, the 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 fish don't listen. They don't. They just don't. They're listen, not very Kyle. good actors. They, no, it's, it's kind of a one one pony one, <laughs> one trick one trick pony. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So were you? It, it sounds like you were kind of getting into fly fishing at the same time. You mentioned you grew up in Mississippi. And it, had you already? gotten into fly fishing or you were kind of doing that along the way as you were doing these films and learning from these people is that is that right both okay um you know so when we had, we decided to move up to the ozarks it was you know I, I i had been interested in fly fishing but that's just not part of the culture in mississippi right um so you know i ordered a cheapo rod set and started practicing in the farm ponds um Coming up here, I was I was still blind, you know. Uh, we moved out here to Garfield, which is, you know, not a coincidence. Uh, my wife teaches here, but also I was thinking, hmm, Roaring River's right up the road. Right. Beaver Tailwater's right down the road. Uh, and so I can I can sort of hone those skills. But there was so much I didn't know. Right. And, um, you know, economically, I can't go hire guides all the time. Uh, so this was sort of a, a great thing where I could get more experience learn about different types of fly fishing, fishing for bigger fish uh, with the eight weights, you know, right. and with the streamers versus, you know, what I was sort of doing and what I still do a lot of. And, and really, I love wade fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like getting out there and, look, if I got to drop an egg, I'll drop an egg. Yeah. You know. Hey, no shame. I'll, I'll drop a mop fly. I don't care. No shame. Uh, You're just it, there to it, catch fish. It's not my go-to. Yeah. It's not my go-to. That's all right, man. But, I, you know, this isn't a, uh, yeah, I'm out there to enjoy myself. Uh, some Sometimes that, that scene can get a little... Uh, uh, picky or uh, I don't want to say pretentious, but you know, <laughs> it can, just, yeah, you know, uh, that's not the right way, right? Well, you know, if I'm catching a fish, I'm happy. Yeah, you know, so. I don't care what you say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it can. I mean, it definitely can be. I think a lot of people who who don't fly fish, they look at it from an outside perspective, and they're like, "Oh man, you got to be, you got to be rich, or you got to, you know, have all the gear and all that stuff." And there's so many times it's like, you know, it's not about that. Like you can go. Buy a forty dollar rod from Walmart. Daniel, producer Dan and I, we did that one time. We went and bought uh, an Ozark Trail rod from Walmart, and it was forty bucks. And we bought a couple poppers, another five bucks, and we went out and we caught fish all day. And it was just like you—you kind of you get away from that if you get too technical. You're like, you have to fish this way, and Mm -hmm. and it's just that's not the way. It comes with time. Yeah, you know, everybody starts like that. Sure, and then you, you do it for a few decades, and you've like learned all this, and you're like, then you look at the new generation, like doing it differently or whatever. Um, 
I don't know. You know, it's, uh, yeah, for me, it's just, it's a fun hobby. I haven't been able to do as much of it lately. Um, and, and one of, so it's one of these things I'm sort of camera guy first, fly fisherman second. So, you know, I go out with these guys a lot and they're like, you need to pick up a rod, you know, Mm -hmm. get you doing some fishing, which I do, but I'm, I'm as happy just being in the boat. Uh, if, if, if they catch a big fish, I'm as excited as they are. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of like, I want to get the shot of the fish. So they catch the fish. I've got to get good footage of that. Right. Um, and then once we've got the fish uh, landed, we we need to be gentle and respectful, you know, and try to keep that fish back in the water healthy. Um, but get a shot in between, you know. So then, then it's sort of all hands on deck and let's do this quickly, but let's do it well. Yeah. And so it just brings a whole nother level of complexity um, and excitement uh, for them and for me. Right. And so I don't have to be the guy with the fish on. Yeah. Um, and then I get to come home and play with the footage. So it's like I, I get more time with the fish. Yeah, you so. really do. That's true. Your your catch is someone else's catch, but your catch is with your, your camera. Mm-hmm. And, and you're capturing that moment, and you're trying to yeah. capture that in a, in the moment that it was and, and present it as, as it was felt, yeah. I, I would imagine at least. Yeah, you try to. Well, and when I go fishing, say I, I go down to the beaver tail here one afternoon, I don't take the camera. I don't take pictures. I don't. I don't even. You, you take a picker, picture with the phone. Yeah. Um. I just leave it at home. Yeah. You know because that's that's when I'm actually fishing. Right. Um. Uh, yeah. I can't. It ruins it to some extent if you're just trying to enjoy your afternoon. Yeah. So when we're out filming, it's a it's a special event, you know, and that's not the way fishing is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, you're not supposed to be out there filming all the time. It's not all for the gram. You're supposed to be fishing uh, for the enjoyment of fishing because you love doing so. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so that's, it's, you know, but guys get excited because they love it, you know, and then they want, they want to share that. Um, and so there's a lot of th- enthusiasm around filming the experience, but you know, they're, they're glad when I'm gone and they can just fish, right. you know, and they don't have to put on for the camera. Yeah. That makes sense. So Ozarks on the fly, really cool series. If anyone's listening, you guys haven't checked that out. You've been doing that for a couple of years, right? You've, you've got seven episodes out, seven different volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what is your, what is your goal with that? You're, you're hitting on a different topic. Is it? continuing are you done at seven are you keeping are you still making them that's a good question yeah <laughs> um we've sort of taken a hiatus here we got to seven and and then it's it slowed down a bit for this this other event but um i'd like to do a few more okay um I, it just depends on how things are going sure uh, you know i've got a toddler i, I think i think i definitely I, I, I definitely want to do a few more let's yeah. just say that yeah i want i want to you want to so it's probably going to happen good Good. You are the boss. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah if exactly. you want to do it, you should do it. Exactly. Well, um, there's there's more stories to tell. You know, we could easily do 20 of them. But the whole idea was there needs to be variety. Sure. And so I don't want to make the same one twice. Right. Um, so we've we've been out even, you know, but and that can be, you can, you can break things up. So, uh, you know, we've done smallies on creeks, but we could do... Uh, in the lake, you know? Right. Um, so it, it doesn't necessarily mean that every episode needs to be a different species. It hasn't been. It's mostly trout. Yeah. Uh, but wade fishing on the upper current's a lot different than streamer fishing from a boat in the White River. Even if we went out on the White River again, but did hopper season or, you know, the caddis, we were out there in winter. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very different experience. So, but beyond the fishing, we're trying to have a story that coincides with that. Right. Even if it's just something simple like uh, country farm life, um, 
uh, you know, we did Crane Creek uh, Rainbows, and yeah. we discussed s- some of the history on that and how they got there and, and all that. But there's got to be something else, too. Yeah, a little bit it. additional to add yeah. to that. Yeah, I really like the... Uh, I was kind of going through them, and and I've like I mentioned to you, I, I watched a lot of them uh, before I even knew that you were doing them. But thank you. Uh, one of the one of the ones I thought was really cool was the one on Crane Creek that you just mentioned, the McLeod strain of mm-hmm. rainbow trout, and how it hadn't been stocked since like 1920, which is now at this point a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. and so that fish population is a self-sustaining population in there. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way for a hundred years. I didn't. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool episode, and and something I didn't ever know um, existed, and not so far away. I mean, where where was that at? Where's Crane Creek? Crane, Missouri. It's uh, from us. It's about an hour. Okay, uh, a little less than an hour. It's in south southwest Missouri. They would throw them off the uh, train. Uh, so really? yeah, so they would put they would I guess have a, some sort of tank, some sort of buck, you know, a big barrel or something. They would fill it with water, and and they would put and they fish in it. Dump and, it. And, and yeah, well, when they would get across a bridge, they'd throw some out. Um, I don't know who was doing this. Yeah. This is what I've been told. <laughs> it seems kind of wild, but I guess you know at the time that was a sort of a rudimentary way to st- to stock. I guess that's how you did it. Yeah. Um. So. You know, they didn't have helicopters where they'd, you know, drop oh, them down yeah. into the Alpine lakes back then. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but, you know, that, that McLeod River in Northern California, it's, that's just an amazing thing how they ended up here. And really, I think, and, and don't quote me on this, but I think the McLeod River strain out there is they're, they're struggling a bit. Really? Um, it may be one day this is where that fish yeah. has made it. This is their new home. Yeah. And it, it, Crane is not the only creek across Missouri that, that has some, uh, as far as I know. But, okay. Um, we're getting into some territory where I'm, uh, don't quote me on some of that. Yeah. People. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> we'll, we'll take your word for, for what it is. If it's, if it's true, you know, sometimes it's, if you say it with confidence, yeah, it's, it's the truth. It's, it's true that it is a story. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that I told. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was a cool one. Another one I really liked, um, obviously, the the tattooed trout um, episode, if you will, with Drew Wilson. He's a guy who I, I've never actually met him, but I mean, if you fly fish, you follow him on mm-hmm. Instagram. And just some of the the cartoon style work that he does, and his tattoos, and just the way that he brings those pictures to life mm-hmm. is just unreal to me. Like I don't even I don't have any tattoos, but after looking at some of his work, I'm like, I, I might get a tattoo of that. It's pretty cool. Well, um, he, and he was a super nice guy. Uh, and as soon as I s- moved up here and started getting into fly fishing, of course, yeah, you find him. Sure. Uh, and it's he's what he's doing is unique and it's cool. And um, so I knew when I started up the series, I definitely wanted to, to have one with Drew. And he was very interested. And and um, he even did a tattoo for us on camera, which was uh, just. I great. saw. I was kind of wondering. I was like, did, is that a real person, or are they yeah. testing on a dummy? Or yeah. What? So we we scheduled that, and he yes, he was very accommodating. Um, we went out with Matt Milner uh, with Rising River Guides, okay. uh, who I'd met uh, filming Flyfish Arkansas, who is a, another great angler, and Rising River is a, a great uh, guide company over there. And yeah, we just had a blast, man. It was we sort of tied it all together and made it work. And Drew, Drew's such a cool guy. He, uh, congrats on his. Uh, I don't know if they got married or if he's he's just 
uh, engaged at this point, but he and his girl, they, they traveled all over the country. I did see they were kind of uh, taken off on a, yeah. on a trip where they're just going to live across the country. They, they got an air, dude, they got an airstream and they decked it out and they went and did tattoos all over the West, you know, great American West. And, and finally, I think they've settled back down here in Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, very recently, but I was like, man, I need to go. I know. I really would have loved to have gone out and caught him somewhere and and discussed that whole adventure with yeah, him. Yeah, you know, absolutely. While he was while he was doing it, but yeah, you know, it you sounds can't, like a huge adventure. You can't film everything. So. No, you can't. <laughs> sometimes, and you shouldn't. Sometimes, like you were <laughs> saying, right. sometimes you shouldn't. You just need to be be there, That's be right. be in the moment. That's right. One other one that I wanted to mention too that I thought was cool was the tightline therapy one. Um, mm. And talking about talking with those guys or, or just hearing those guys talk about. Um, uh, how that's kind of been a therapy for him and that guy who's like an adrenaline junkie. Is that how you would kind of describe him? He's looking for that thrill. Yeah. And how he's been able to kind of find that in fly fishing. Yeah. Is that is that kind of how you captured that or what you thought of so, it? So John Link uh, is a great guy. Met him through through some of the filming earlier. And I, I knew I wanted to film with him because he, he did he, – he knew a lot about – catching he, he was a great he's a great angler but he knew a lot about and had spent a lot of time on the upper uh, current river okay which is just an amazing fishery the upper current river as far as wade fishing even floating down and, and getting out and uh, that's just that's just an outstanding place to go and, and that's um, up in missouri right yeah don't tell anybody yeah oh, i'm sure someone knows about it yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> um but i was like what what's the story here with you john like how can we how can we have a story here and um he said well uh my cousin uh, who I'm close with is about to marry a guy that's uh, been on TV a lot. Uh, maybe we could bring him in and figure something out there. He's yeah. a veteran. I was like, well, okay, that sounds like <laughs> something. Let's, yeah, I doubt he'd be interested, but yeah. uh, he had been, it was Grady Powell. He had been on Dual Survival Alaska. He was a Green Beret. He had been on Extreme Survival Alaska, too, and a few other things. And um, yeah, I was like, wow, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, and he actually, he did. So he had, he had gone over, he had served, and, you know, these guys come back and they've got some some level of PTSD. Uh, he, I, you know, we kind of played it up a little bit, frankly, sure. for the film, um, you know, but I, it is that way. So you get the lull, right, when you go fishing. If you're not not catching anything, and then all of a sudden you hook on to, to a good fish. It's, yeah. And that's the thing. You've got to love fishing. Uh, enough in those high moments to to wait through the lulls, right? Um, but one, once you catch a good fish and once you get it on there, I mean, it's undeniable. Yeah, and yeah. that that rush is like, and it keeps yeah, it keeps you coming back. Hunting is the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it it works, you know. And uh, but yeah, he was all on board. He was super excited about it. He's a great guy, and his career has only been expanding. So he's uh, Grady Powell. Uh, it was in one of our little Ozarks on the Fly. He's the host of Forged in Fire, okay, which is having its third season on Netflix, which is a huge show on Netflix. Wow! Yeah, he's the host. Nice, yeah, he's, he, dude's awesome. So very um, cool. Yeah, and, and you learned about um, John Link. He was talking about Euro nymphing and and Czech style nymphing. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? I won't hold you to being the expert on it. No, but. no. No, and I'm I'm definitely not. Yeah, um, but I assume you got to fish with him a little bit and kind of mm -hmm. try that style. I haven't done that a whole lot. Well, and I've I've done it a little bit now. Uh, Moonshine Rodco is a sponsor of the films. They've been great too, and um, they had me out at uh, Boxwood Canyon out in Colorado la okay. last summer, uh, and we did a little bit of that with a guide out there. And uh, it's, it's the same deal. So you know, yeah, you're using like a, a three weight, two weight, three weight rod. Uh, and if you get a big, if you get a hoss on there, man, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a yeah, good fight. It's a good fight. Um, so, 
But you're dropping uh, a few midges, you know. Uh, you try to drop maybe three or four of them, and you you know you space them out. I'm sure I'm going to butcher this, uh, <laughs> but you know, and you just it's, it's like cane poling, you know. Okay. I mean, for for a guy that's just watching somebody do it, it's like you're cane poling. Yeah, dude. right. <laughs> um, don't tell them that, probably. No, no, no. But no, I'm that, sure they'll be offended. No, no. Um, but you know, you get out there and, and you kind of you. So the way John describes it is is excellent. You know, you you get to hit every level of that water column you get to sort of pick apart the water go across it excuse me um and you're you, if there's a fish in there you're gonna just hit it on the nose mm-hmm. you know at some point um and if you know how to read water and you understand where they may be holding up you can you can really just have a lot of success yeah and i think i think john would agree i mean uh, probably a lot of fly fishermen don't don't like it or say it's not the right way or something like that um, but he has outstanding success with it. I've been trying to get into it some up at Crane Creek. When, yeah. Um, and it's it takes a while, I think, to to get there. Um, and you get tangled up a lot. It's, when you're starting it out, you know, you've got like three or four nymphs on there. Yeah, midges it's a and complicated such. rig. Yeah. And a guy, another guy that does awesome fly fishing films, um, a lot of times uh, has his stuff in IF4, um, Gilbert Rowley. Okay. Out in um, Utah. He swears by and discusses a lot on his Instagram about uh, Euro nymphing with streamers. Really? Which is essentially just doing the same thing, but yeah. just with streamer. You're just um, kind of jigging your streamers up and down in the column. Yeah. And, I, you know, in those smaller mountain creeks and such, uh, he has just amazing success with that. So Interesting. Maybe it's, you know. It could be the next big the thing. the future. You it's never future. know. You never know. An- another thing is um, you don't have an indicator, right? Like that's. You're just tight lining. Right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, and your line, uh, and I'm sure guys do it different ways, but your line is color coded, you know. So, uh, but but yeah, so you're tight lining. So if you feel any little um, bump on, uh, just over a rock, you're going to try to hook set. So mm-hmm. you're always kind of hook setting um, a lot more than you would be with an indicator. Okay. Um, and you know, thus you're going to hit on a fish more often. And it's, you know, trout is a lot of their takes can be so subtle. And so fast, you know, because they'll just spit it right back out. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, and then you're just using these tiny little midges and such. So it's, uh, yeah, so your success rate, I think, I think tends to be higher. It's just hard to get used to that, mm-hmm. especially if you're fish, used to fishing with an indicator or striper fishing, something like this. It's, it's very subtle. Um, you, you, you only have the visibility of the line, um, you know, and you've got glasses on and it's bright and it's, you know, it's, it's, but. But you get there. You know, it's like anything. It's practice. Yeah. There's, there's probably a learning curve with it that you kind of got to get over and yeah. until you can start getting into some fish. Absolutely. It seems like it's productive. We'll, we'll see. I'm going to have to try this out. and You're going to have to. And see if, it's, uh, see if it is the future. You never know. Uh, and then the last one that I wanted to mention of the Ozarks on the Fly um, series was the was Striper. The, the last one that you did, the Striper season. Mm-hmm. That's something that um, I've never hooked a Striper on the Fly. It's been something that I've... I've been wanting to do um, just a beast of a fish. You can get into some really, really nice quality fish. Mm-hmm. And you guys went to uh, Lake Washita or where were no, you guys? Just Beaver Lake. Right that was on here. Beaver. Oh, yeah. really? And yeah. how how were y'all catching them, or what what was going on there? I know you weren't fishing, but so Dan has it dialed in. Dan Roberts, uh, he's a Sims. Uh, well, he he does a lot of sales for a lot of fly fishing companies. I mean, that that's his thing. He grew up doing it with his father. Um, and he just, man, he just knows 
how to catch those things. And it's, it's great. So we were out there, and this didn't make the film, but we were out there. So you chase around the, the schools. You're on a boat, right. You're, you're on, on a boat. You're, you're on the lake. You're chasing around the school. Um, you know, you're using your uh, radar. Oh, yeah. Sonar. Like fish finder. Fish finder. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> Cut that. You, you use your uh, echolocation. <laughs> you're making dolphin noises. <laughs> you're out there. You're making dolphin <laughs> noises. <laughs> okay, yeah, I cut all that. So you're using your uh, fish finder, and you get over him, and he so he knows the depth looking at that, and he 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 literally counted dropping his um his shad his shad pattern down. Okay, and he he just counted, and he counted to like 24 seconds, and he was like, well, they're, they're down at 24 feet, and so every time I count, oh. you know, I'm hitting a foot. Oh, That's what okay. I should be doing. Yeah, and it's he was like, there's one down there at 24 feet, and as soon as it, he hit it. And it got loose. No way. But, like, as soon as he got to 24 and he told me, like, that's where they are. Yeah. One hit. And I couldn't believe it. I was no like, holy way. crap. Yeah. Um, but and he's it's, just it's that good. a fly good. that he's sinking? It, yeah. It's on the a, fly run? It's a pretty small fly, actually. Okay. It's just that uh, shad, uh, thread fin shad pattern. Yeah. It's just a small minnow. Yeah. Um, and, but it's their, it's their food source. You know, right? So he's just he's matching the the shad hatch, you know? yeah. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and so if they see it, uh, and he and he knows how to target them so well, then then they hit it. And he goes out in the winter a lot. That's that seems to be the, about the best time to to do it. Yeah. Um, and you you got the lake to yourself. I mean, it's pretty rough conditions. I I was really happy with that one in particular because it was rainy. It was below freezing. It was freezing rain. Oh, yeah, it yeah. snowed. I mean, it was like I, I couldn't believe that we pulled it off with yeah. just the conditions shooting with the camera anyway that we were dealing with. And uh, yeah, and he just called a really cool one there at the end, and we just had a a good good ending to that one. I was I was proud yeah. of that. Did y'all did y'all catch a couple of them or one or two out there on the day? That was the only one. That was the only one. That was the only one. All you needed, and but see, and that's the way it is, right? You do all that work for the one fish, yeah. But it's a hell of a fish. But it's a striper, yeah. And yeah, you're like, yeah, I caught a striper, yeah. And he, man, he catches some beasts. Um, so that's just a really cool. That's a very specific, unique thing he's into that not a lot of guys are into. Um, and it's but like we, you know, we're chatting about earlier. Fish don't cooperate, you know. No. So we were out there doing all that, and I'm thinking, God, we got to get a fish. You know, <laughs> yeah. We got to get a fish. Yeah, we can't release this if um, we got nothing. Yeah, and so having guys that are just so good at it, like him, uh, jumping on board and being involved has just been awesome. Yeah, that yeah. is cool. You need you need a fishy dude or two to come on these trips. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, man, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I got to get on some stripers soon. Uh, so it, Dan, maybe he'll take you out. Maybe so. Maybe that's that's who I need to reach out he's to a good, next. He's a good dude. Um it sounds like you kind of get to go to a lot of different places. One of the things that I, I appreciate about what you do too is uh, you tap into the Missouri Ozarks a little bit even more so than than the Arkansas Ozarks in some of these fly fishing films. And um, and that's that's an area I've, I haven't really done, you know, much exploration up there. It's kind of, you know, there's obviously the state line and you kind of stay within your state because you've got your license and you don't have, you don't want to buy out of state and all that stuff. But it's really the the number of different creeks and streams and places up there in Missouri that it looks like you've gotten to go to. I mean, they look incredible. Have you enjoyed going to those and going to these different places? Are these places that you now frequent? Um, frequent, no, because, you know, life intervenes. Sure. Um, but that, that's really just coincidental. Uh, I didn't set out to shoot more in Missouri than in Arkansas. In fact, I would like to, to have it as level as possible. Yeah. You know, the... The Missouri Ozarks are different than the, and, and even fishing fishing wise than the Arkansas Ozarks. For one, they've got a lot more uh, spring fed right. creeks and yeah. rivers. 
Uh, and just the amount of springs there is, uh, I mean, we've got Spring River. We've got, I think there's some springs that feed Big Sugar Creek over here, mm-hmm. but we don't have a ton of that. Most of our creeks are largemouth, or excuse me, smallmouth creeks mainly, and, and they're, they're rain-fed. Yeah. Our mountains get a little bigger in some in a lot of places, and, and you know, we've got big bluffs, and it's, it's, it's I, I, I love the Arkansas Ozarks as far as their beauty. Sure. Uh, more so, and their wilderness areas and such, but... Um, but then again, I, I've only scratched the surface in Missouri, and, yeah. and there's so much up there. And really, I, I need to get over to uh, Oklahoma as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the Illinois River over there, right? You know, uh, so no, some of that's just coincidental. So when I was filming Flyfish Arkansas, I met a lot of anglers that were Missourians. Um, uh, that's surprising. The, yeah, the Malco brothers, uh, Malkowitz brothers, they uh, they're in St. Louis. So was John Link, uh, and. Yeah, it, well, yeah, all those guys I met doing that first film. Uh, Josh Trammell Josh that was Trammell in the first in one. our first one. So, uh, and and sort of hanging out with Josh and Crane Creek being right up the road. I guess that part of that is being here in Garfield. It's like the borders right there. Right. You're so I don't close. I don't really feel, you know, I'm in Arkansas, but I feel like it's all my oyster. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's that it's a invisible boundary at the end of the day. Yeah. What, what does that matter? Yeah. What's what's the point of that? Oh, well, it's cool. It sounds like I mean you get to go to a lot of different places and. Especially, I'm sure you've learned some different techniques from going to be with these guys who, who are really fishy dudes. Yes, and, and that was part of the reason for doing it. I mean, frankly, it's, you know, it's an excuse to go hit this river that I haven't hit with somebody that actually knows it. But, right. You know, and yeah. like if I wasn't filming, you know, um, that, that it, it would be harder to set up. Um, and, yeah, and so that's... But yeah, we're in the state of the Ozarks, you know. It's Ozark, Missouri. It's yeah. it, or Arkansas, Missouri. It's all it's all the same. It's all the same. It's all the same. Well, I want to I want to talk now. You know, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, especially right now, one of the things that's um, very relevant for especially you is uh, you've got a new film out, and it's and it's a little bit different than it, it seems like some of the stuff you've done in the past. This is a it's a long uh, format feature film. Um, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the of the Buffalo River becoming a national river mm. uh, called Undammed. Do you want to talk a little bit about what the film is and, and what made you want to, you know, create that? Yeah. Yeah, well, initially, the idea was going to be that was going to be the 10th Ozark on the fly. We were just going to hit the lower Buffalo. Okay. The Buffalo, to me, is sort of the river of the Ozarks. Yeah. You know. That's exactly, we, when we talked with Mike Mills, it was like, this is the crown jewel. It is. This is it the is. Buffalo. And that's why it was saved. Sure. Um. And and it's part of the reason, uh, you know, we moved up here. We fell in love with that region. Um, and so I, I love the buffalo. And, I, I again, I want an excuse to get out on it more. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, fortunately, Jeff Rose, buddy of mine, photographer down there, he he does all the media, all the photography for Buffalo Outdoor Center, Mike Mills' right. uh, outfitter. So, um, you know, it, it made sense. Like, we could do it logistically. Jeff would be around for it. He could help me sort of figure out stories, uh, connect with people, things like this. Um, and he had been out for a few Ozark on the Fly episodes to help with the photography. And uh, we started discussing it back then. I think actually Matt Milner of Rising River Guys, he was like, man, y'all should do one on the, the buffalo one day. And you should do it like a dirt bag style. You float the whole thing and just oh, film it. Oh, that would and be so cool. initially we were like, man, yeah, that would yeah, be sweet. Um, and so that was kind of the beginnings of it. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things you talk about. It's like, are you ever going to do it? Right, yeah. Like, you know, that would be epic, but yeah. when will we have the time? It's quite a thing to tackle. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, so 
when I was, you know, and I've watched, you can imagine, I've watched a lot of fly fishing videos on YouTube. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And one I noticed when I was sort of scouring the YouTube there for Ozark fly fishing films, uh, Steve Daly produced one a few years back called Buffalo Brothers. Okay. Uh, with a couple, a couple of guys, Ben and Gabe Levin. The Levin Brothers, yeah. The Levin Brothers. And they're, they're great guides, uh, and it was a great, great experience. I enjoyed the, the video, and I thought, for the 10th, for my final Ozark on the Fly, before I move on to something else, I need to do like a Buffalo Brothers sequel. Mm, right? Okay. Uh, to sort of pay homage, you know, to Steve, and but also just, it's it's the river of the Ozarks. So. Yeah. So that was initially all I was planning on doing. Okay. And so, and then it just turned into this whole thing. <laughs> it got a lot bigger. <laughs> it got a lot bigger. Yeah. Well, and I, as we began to film it and sort of move through the different outings, uh, I, I started thinking, this has gotten too big. Like, this is beyond me. Mm, um, yeah. And then I just stopped thinking about that because I was like, I'm going to psych myself out. Like, because <laughs> too many people are involved, too many stakeholders. Um, too many people counting on this film being out on time and also yeah. good and like all that stuff. And I was like, Oh wow. That's I've, a lot. I've kind of, I've, I bit off a little bit. Uh, luckily I've been able to chew it, but uh, it's kind of a, a miracle to some yeah. extent. Um, but yeah, because what we decided on, what we landed on Jeff and I, after discussing it, we want to showcase all of the different things you can do in that area. Okay. Um, and, and sort of the marketing end of it was like, well, you know, people that love mountain biking, They'll watch it for that section, but see all this other cool stuff that they probably also do some of too. Yeah, sure. And same with the kayakers or or the rock climbers. Um, and and we also wanted to showcase the river sort of in, and and show it in this modern, upbeat kind of way, in a in a positive way as well. You know, so many of these nature documentaries or uh, I guess conservation documentaries, like you see with Patagonia and such. I mean, they're outstanding, but a lot of it is. Yeah, but the polar bears are dying. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, there's always the climate change is going to, to kill us all in five years. All the ice and will melt and all the ice will we'll melt. We'll be underwater in 10 years. Yeah, so years. we must take action. And, you know, it's all the Republicans' fault. And, you know, all the, you know, mm. it, it gets political and yeah. it gets pessimistic. And it's, it's like there's never enough you can do in the environmental end of things. And I'm going to upset some people by saying this, <laughs> but we wanted to just make a film that celebrated the river because it was conserved. And that is a great thing. Yeah. And in the United States, you know, we were the country that invented national parks. We were the country that invented Teddy Roosevelt, uh, you know, public lands, conservation for future generations. Um, and, you know, that's not going anywhere. Yeah. And we only be get more environmentally minded as the decades pass and more of the world does as well. Uh, of course, we consume more and all that. I'm getting off topic a bit. But um, no, you're you're straight on. I mean, you're you're hitting home a point that's like, this is why a lot of what we do on the podcast is education and, and talking about conservation and and to even celebrate something, it doesn't always have to have a pessimistic downturn. Like there can be things that are celebrated uh, just by themselves. Well, and we we wanted to note that the park and all the parks are seeing more pressure, more people. Uh, that's what they're for. But sure. it does bring new challenges. Um, and the Buffalo River is no exception. I mean, uh, in two years ago, 1.5 million people visited the park. That's crazy. Roughly. And that, yeah, that is, that's wild. People from around the world, I assume too. Increasingly that many people. so. Yeah. And, and, and that was even a dilemma. Like, uh, should we make this film? You know, it, the, the ethical question of, well, we're, we love it. Uh, we like enjoying it. Do we really want to tell more people about it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but public lands are public lands. 
Um, it's been around 50 years, and that does need to be celebrated. Uh, I think its future is bright. Uh, and whether the park service needs to do things down the road, like, uh, you know, permits and, or extra fees, uh, you know, and, and frankly, I think they should. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to park at Centerpoint uh, Trailhead to, to hike out to Big Bluff, you need to pay to park. And that those those monies can go to, to develop the park and, and help it handle the, the influx of people. Right. But we also, so, but yeah, we settled on the, let's just do it because we live in the internet age. And if you want to know about the Buffalo National River or anything cool outdoors in the Ozarks, you Google it and there it is. Right. Uh, it's not hard to find if you want to find. So, I, you know, I doubt that anybody that sees this film will be like, the what river? Yeah. You know, there what might be that? three guys that are like, <laughs> well, we got to go. And, yeah. You know, uh, but that's the, and, in the end, that's that's what we landed on. Let's let's make the film and let's promote responsible use of the park. Yeah, um, and so that's what we try to do. Yeah, yeah, and you've got some really cool. Um, you mentioned, or we talked a little bit about some people that were involved in the film. You know, you had um, some some heavy hitters in there. Mike Mills was one of them. Uh, Tim Ernst was in there. Bill Scruggs. Uh, some of these people that are you know they're Ozark legends, if you will. And yeah. uh, just curious, you know, what what made you want to bring them in the loop or uh how did you I, I think i know why you wanted to bring them in the loop but but how did you get linked up with them and, and were they pretty receptive and excited about the idea surprisingly so yeah um you know it's 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 like i say toward the beginning of the podcast it's amazed me uh just the enthusiasm for for those arcs on the fly and in this in particular um you know we're not we're just a small little Bluff, who's heard of Bluffline Media? Yeah, you know, like who are these kids coming out here trying to trying to make this film? And um, surprisingly enough, yeah, guys like Tim Ernst jumped on board, and and we're and I'll tell you a story about that. So we went out, we went out and met with Tim Ernst. We were so excited about it, you know because we're photographer types, and so he's yeah. kind of a legend. Yeah, he's kind of like the pinnacle of Ozark photography in in a way. Yeah, well, and you think about it back back in the nineties when Tim was putting together that waterfall guidebook and and those trail guidebooks and such and taking those pictures. Nobody had done that before. Yeah, and so like even in the Ozarks, but in the outside world, I like the Ozarks is so insular. There's like an outside world, <laughs> um, but. Nobody knew the names of those. Many of them he did name. Of course, there were probably local colloquial names sure. for him and such. But, um, you know, and I'm sure locals had mixed feelings about that. I know they did. But yeah. those guidebooks are awesome. And um, and it is he did so much to open up the Ozarks. Um, and it that was just a couple decades ago. I know. That's crazy. I mean, you think about that. Um, there's been so much development, so much happening around this region because – well, for lots of reasons, uh, in particular in the last decade here in Northwest Arkansas, you've seen a lot of growth. But uh, Tim has been instrumental in all that. So anyway, so bragging on him. So we went out there to, to meet with him, and it's sort of like meeting a hero. And we interviewed him. About an hour and a half, we sat down, we interviewed him. I was all excited about it. It was a great. It went really well. Yeah. Uh, got back home with all the footage, and uh, it was unusable. No. It was unusable. Oh, dude. The audio was fine. What was wrong with it? The video. It looked like 1980s. It looked. It was like, it looked like Stranger Things, like in the you know in the opening scenes when it's like trying to look 80s yeah, or something. Yeah. You know, you're, um, you're in the upside down. You're you're in the upside down, man. It was hazy. It yeah. was too dark. Oh, like uh, it was just it was unfixable. Yeah. So I had to call Tim Ernst. Oh no. Yeah. That's. I had to call him. It was, a, it was a tough phone call for me. You're like, hey man, that Talk was great. Like, can we do it again? Can we do it again? <laughs> and it, 
amazingly, he was very kind about it. Of course, he's a photographer, and he had stories when we came back out. He was like, you know, I, that happened to me when yeah. I was, you know. So yeah, he probably gets it more than it, most people. It doesn't always go the way you think it'd go. And the second one looked great. It was even better than the first time. Uh, he was probably a little less... Uh, Less on patience, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, but he you you couldn't tell it, um, and so that was that was outstanding. Yeah. But uh, but I found a way to release some of the discussion uh, from his uh, first interview uh, in some bonus features. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, so it's it's out on Vimeo, and uh, you can watch. And ex- so the film is fifty minutes. I've got a whole extra fifty minutes. Oh, really? Of discussion that comes along with the rental or purchase. That uh, it's just those guys, those old patriarchs of the river. Uh, Ron Grinder, um, Tim Ernst, Mike Mills, and, yeah. and Bill Scruggs, yeah. just chatting. Yeah, you know, because it's cool. it's well, you know, you interview these guys for an hour, hour and a half each, and it's just awesome. Yeah, and then all of it, and then you pull out these click these quick little clips, you know, and there's so much more, and you just that you didn't get to put it in the film. So I'm thinking, no, oh, people people would love to listen to this. People would love to hear this. So. Absolutely. How do you how do you pick out those pieces? I mean. That's a that's a hard thing. Like obviously with the podcast, we we just record it all and we put it out. But for you, how do you pull out what's what's critical and, and what you're trying to say and through them or you know, how do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's sort of it almost the story forms itself in some way. You know, being a teacher, uh history teacher in particular, I've gotten better over the years at telling stories. Yeah. And trying to keep students engage teenagers engage sure right a tough job in itself. and so you've gotta you've gotta find ways to to keep it going and so that's all history is is telling a story and so I, I think it would probably be easier for me to make a film like this and do narration myself or something yeah you know write uh, you know a narrative and then give little clips of people just sort of adding their little blurbs to that instead I've chosen for some reason to just form a story through all of these interviews mm. and pull them together. I mean, the way you do that is you ask them comparable questions. You know, you ask them similar stuff and they've all got their unique takes on it, but it all sort of, you know, that sec. okay, this section, we're going to talk about leave no trace. Who said the best stuff about leave no trace? Sure. Uh, let's use those discussions and let's figure out a way to stick it together. Yeah. So it's, it's tedious. Yeah. You gotta we- you gotta wade through it a little bit. There's a lot to wade through. Well, and what you do is you just you tackle a film like this. At least I this is the way I do it. I did not go to film school. This is the way I do it. It's like I, I tackle it like a bunch of short films. So we went out, we did the trail running. That's a short film. We went out, we did the ma- rock climbing. That's a short film. Really, the the biggest task of this was well, and after each outing, you. You cut your B-roll, you pick your best shots, you pick your best things that the interviewee says. And so you've kind of got all that sitting there on the side. The task later is making all that flow in a way that works well. Yeah. So your transitions need to kind of not be too weird. Right. Um, sometimes that works better than others. Yeah, sometimes that's easy. Yeah. But, but you, you work with the footage you have, you work with the discussion you have, and you just the film makes itself in, in some way. Yeah. And at the end of it, I, I mean, I think the, the passion for the Buffalo River mm. is kind of the glue behind it all. Like you said, everyone's kind of got their own take or their own expertise or um, perspective on what makes that area special. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, at the end of the day, the, the glue. For for you, I guess the the question would be, for you, what makes it so special? Like, what what ultimately kind of was the thing that's like, this is why I gravitate to this river. Why did you really want to make this film? Well, it's funny. 
That's a hard question to answer. I mean, when we first started talking about doing it, it was really just because, like, it, it's the river of the Ozarks. Yeah. And if we're going to be making films on the Ozarks, especially river type, you know. It, it, and, of course, I'm, I like fishing, so it's a pretty fishy film. It is. It's about as fit. The, the, the documentary is about as fishy as it can be without and still have variety. Okay. <laughs> you cover the fishing pretty good. But uh, we cover the fishing pretty well. So, um, yeah, I mean, so it was it was just a given that we were going to have to do one on the Buffalo. And when Jeff and I started chatting about wouldn't it be cool to, you know, make this full-length documentary on the Buffalo, we didn't even realize the 50th anniversary was coming up. Mm, okay, um, yeah. Yeah, we planned it. Uh, originally, we were going to kick up and get started, uh, assuming everything would fall in place, um, and, and release it last year. But COVID set us back a year. Right. Uh, we had it all kind of ready to go, okay. and, and then COVID hit, and it was just increasing, and it was like, well, it's not going to happen. Um, at some point, we found out, realized that the 50th anniversary was coming up, and so it was just very fortuitous that we got kicked back a year. Yeah. I hate that it was COVID that did it. Right. But this was the year to release it. Yeah. Um, so, no, it's just exciting because we love the river. You know, J- Jeff obviously loves the river. He lives on the river. He's made it his home. Yeah. You know. And it, you're, you're friends with him. What's it like working with Jeff? I mean, some of the, the way that he captures the the beauty of the Ozarks in every single photo that I see is incredible. What, what's it like? Obviously, you're his friend, but yeah. what's it like working with Jeff? Oh, well, he's he's great. He's a very laid-back guy, um, and so he's just very easy to work with. Uh, he's he, Sometimes you don't know, like, uh, if he's going to show um, cause he's like, I'm sure he gets messages all the time and you're like, oh, is Jeff going to come for this outing? But he's like always there. Yeah. He shows um, up. and he's just, he's always in a good mood. Um, and yeah, he's just like, you know, what he's doing is going to be great. Yeah. And you see him running around getting shots and it's just like, I don't know what he's, I don't, I don't know what picture he's taking, but and he takes a lot, but he's, and he's great at editing. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's a great person to have along. And, but, but for this in particular, it wasn't just his photography that helped us, you know, market it and get, you know sort of make sense of it to somebody that hasn't seen it. Um, he knows the river. Uh, he was able to put us in contact with people. He, he helped me sort of formulate the story. Um, and yeah, so he's just instrumental. Well, and he also did the, uh, there's some illustrations in the film to kind of, so we had a few gaps, right? You make a 50 minute documentary and you watch documentaries like this. Often there's some illustrations to kind of pull that story together. Yeah. And we, we didn't need a lot of it, but we needed a few, few of those. Um, and Jeff's good with After Effects and was able to put a few of those together for us. So we've, we've worked closely on this and, uh, and yeah, he's been great. Yeah. Love that guy. Yeah. Well, and so I met him back before we moved to Arkansas because again, early days of Instagram, you know, right. Yeah. Uh, he was out there in the, in the early days and we came up to camp at Greer's Ferry Lake. Gosh, who knows? 10 years ago, probably wow. or, or more. Uh, and he followed me. I was taking pictures of North Mississippi, which... You think what? What is there to take picture of in North Mississippi? I didn't want to say it, but we had yeah, pretty farmland. Some nice cows, some good in this looking field. cows, yeah, some good steers. Some, some good cow out there. But uh, no, but you know, I was I was doing what I could with what I had. Sure. Um, and, you know, he dug it, and so we were following each other. And he he came down, and that it was sort of, he was probably the first person that I met in person from Instagram. Yeah, which back then was kind of weird yeah it is like online like, people who's this online guy it's yeah. like but he came down we had a blast he took some pictures we we hung out around the campfire and uh but yeah i mean then that's how i found all these people yeah uh social media if you use it correctly 
you know, I, as a school teacher, I worry about social media. And there's there's plenty of information out there that tells you this is not great for us and as a whole. But, you know, running a business like this, um, well, and being able to run ads and things uh, so much more cheaply than you would traditionally. Um, I hate that, you know, some of these traditional medias are dying, but, it's, you know, you can't stop what's coming. Uh, it's been great for a company like mine. Uh, getting the word out, I mean... Uh, to say we've been on a shoestring budget here for this film is an understatement. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're shooting, we're not shooting this stuff with cinema cameras. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I told you what I paid for my mics uh, for this film, you, you know, you'd think, what? Well, this is not a professional, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a professional situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, Jack's our mountain biker, um, uh, Lady Angler Lentz, Rebecca Baker, right. who, who you should discuss. Uh, with some stuff with her one day. Yeah. Um, there's, you, you just reach out to these folks and you say, Hey, look, we're making this film. Um, we don't have a lot of money, uh, but it's, we're excited about it and we'd love to have you out if it's, you know, and, uh, and yeah, people, people are excited about this kind of stuff. I think it shows a lot, even with what we do, it's people are excited about the Ozarks. People are proud of where they're from. People want to talk about it. And, and so it's it's not hard to reach out to somebody who, in, in my mind, a lot of times, like, you're kind of a, a hero of mine or some, you know, some role model of, of some sorts. And people around the Ozarks share the same passion for these places that they're willing to talk, they're willing to engage, even with people who are, you know, shoestring budget type folks, and, and they're just excited to kind of talk about the same thing. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, the, the, the move here uh, was the best thing we ever did. I mean, this this area is is blowing up for good reason, which you worry a little bit about, but uh, it's, there's all this stigma, I feel like, around the Ozarks, you know, nobody's wearing shoes, you know, the clan's out there somewhere, (laughs) and, you know, all that kind of stuff, and, you know, uh, look, the Ozarks are outstanding. Uh, They're beautiful. I mean, middle America, you're not going to find a prettier river than than the Buffalo River from the Appalachian to, you know, to the Rockies, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. And people people know, you know, people come from all over, um, but increasingly so. And I think the development that will come with that is is a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that the the economic end of things for business uh, for towns like Harrison and Mountain Home and, and such, uh, it's going to stretch out from northwest Arkansas. Um, and, and all of that is a, a wonderful thing. And and we wanted to show in the film and, and try to show in our film sort of a modern Ozark, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, it sounds like an awesome film. I haven't got to see it yet. Um, so I'll be watching it here really soon. And, uh, from what I have seen the, the trailer and I got actually a little bit of sneak peek, you sent me a link and I did watch, I started it. Um, but how can people watch it if, if they're trying to see it? Is it, where's it at? So we, we land, we didn't know what we were going to do there. This is all new to us, by the way. Okay. Um, so we, we landed on Vimeo. Um, because we could put it there for rent. And, you know, it, we're trying to make a little money off the film. It is what it is. Sure. Um, and there are all sorts of ways independent films can get out there. And this was just the way we could stay in charge of it. You know, we didn't want to hand it off to, you know, you, you hear those stories about guys that have this great record and they go to the record company and they just steal it from them or, you know, you yeah. know and all this. Um, they don't get any revenue. So right. we're a little concerned about that. And sort of the, the distribution film area out there online is, you never, it's hard to know, mm-hmm. you know. So with Vimeo, it was great. We could just do it ourselves. 
And so it's Vimeo on demand. Uh, you can rent it. You can purchase it and download it, stream it anytime that way. Um, I imagine most, if not all, smart TVs, you know, you can cast to them or, or download the Vimeo app on there. Right. Um, and so that's the best way to do it. Watch it on the TV. Yeah. Um, but v- Vimeo is where it is living right now. Right. Um, we may... In the next six months or so, we're, we're looking at trying to do, put it on Amazon Prime as well. Okay, cool. Um, so we don't know yet. Uh, I wouldn't wait for that necessarily, but we're trying to figure that out. We'd, we'd like to have it in more places, um, but that's but that's where it is now. Yeah, and it and you've already done a few um, premiere, you know, film festivals or, or premiere showings kind of around oh, different yeah. areas, and have you seen a good response? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, you know, the, the whole creative side of things, getting out there, organizing the trips, that's that's all fun putting the film together like we could do all that this has all been new for me uh scheduling premieres uh, marketing it reaching out and getting more sponsors things like this um that's been an interesting that's been a lot that's been more work than making the film i feel yeah. like but man it has really paid off so we we didn't just want to put it out online and drop it on youtube or something like that i mean we're proud of the film we think it's worth renting yeah um but we also thought well if covid lifts wouldn't it be great to have premieres we started down in Little Rock. We had a little over 100 people there, which we were ecstatic about. Yeah. Um, but it just swelled. You know, we had over 250 people in Harrison. We sold out a few of them. Um, it just grew and grew. And that was just, that that was overwhelming to us. We just never imagined that. So, yeah. and having everybody that loves the Buffalo come out to those premieres and be excited about it and enjoy the film and tell us they love the film and tell us their Buffalo stories. You know, we had a lot of people come up after the film over there slinging shirts, and they're like, you know, we grew up right there down from Pruitt, you know, yeah. and my grandmother used to blah, blah, blah. Right, and right. Like, oh. stories. And it's like, well, do you, did you like it? And they're like, oh, yeah, we loved it. Like, oh, that's yeah. awesome, you know. Yeah, because it matters to you. You're right. local. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those those folks, you know, and, and in the film, we we try to empathize with the local some. I mean, this is this part of the country is sort of a laissez-faire Mine's, you know, it's a very libertarian part of the country. Um, and so we didn't want to cram down people's throats, you know. Yeah, it's, cons- it's you know, we conserved it and good for us and sucks for you kind of thing. <laughs> right. You know, um, instead, we, in the film, we try to empathize with the fact that, you know, a lot of people lost their land. They were going to lose it anyway because the Corps engineers were going to put two dams on the river. Um, but it's that's tough, you know, especially when you're a poor Yaman farmer and, you, you know, that you— that's your livelihood. Right. And, and that's your heritage, you know, especially if you're a descendant of some of the first settlers you yeah. know, to the area. It's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, when all of your revenue comes from moving a ferry across the river and selling some cotton off, uh, you know, maybe it's just – and, you know, Ron Grinder's in the film. He's a descendant of Grinder Ferry family. Okay. Um, and he, he notes in the film – well, in the bonus features, in the elongated interviews anyway, I couldn't make – get it in the film he says you know my my granddad he could raise you know as much cane on one acre of bottomland as he could on 20 acres of ridgeland mm. you know so it was it's it's lucrative land for a farmer to right. be down there in that bottomland with that silt you know and that and that moisture right um but yeah so it's like you know progress quote unquote um you're going to have people that fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not, there's there's no solutions. There's only trade-offs, right? right? Um, now, this was one of those trade-offs where it was a net benefit. Sure. Very much so. Um, but there's always going to be people that, you know, 
it doesn't work out for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's it seems like you you kind of were empathetic and and you did your best to capture um, the buffalo in in a way that is like empathetic to other people and 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 you you were at least thoughtful about everyone who's involved. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we just try to the the audience for for us is our our Ozark residents, right? Yeah, you know. And so our neighbors, yeah, our neighbors, yeah, our friends and neighbors. Yeah. And so we just wanted to make the film for them, right? Yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, I, I'm I'm excited to see it. Um, it sounds like an awesome film, and um, I I know that a lot of people uh, have already enjoyed it. So um, just wanted to say thanks again for for bringing us out here, yeah. to Garfield, Arkansas. Thanks beautiful, for coming, beautiful Garfield, and um, letting us talk with you. And, well, like, we couldn't have had a nicer night. Oh my How goodness! How about this? I mean, if you could see this, you will see this on Instagram and on our Patreon. It's just a beautiful night. You can't beat it. I heard a bullfrog over here croaking in your pond. Oh, yeah, the bullfrogs. <laughs> you have a love-hate relationship with them. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love them. You walk around the pond, you know, they'll jump all of a sudden. It just yeah. kind of spook you. Yeah. you know, every time, you know they're there, but every time you walk around, they scare you. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, they, You're going to get, oh, 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 gosh. What was that? Did it to me again. Oh, man. But, yeah, man, it rained all morning, and now we're out here. Wonderful spring night. What is it? Probably 62 degrees, oh, something yeah. like that. It's cool, cool breeze. Cool going. breeze. It's nice. It's good. It's a perfect plot, perfect spot for a podcast. But thank you again for for having us out. We we appreciate it, and um, we're excited that uh, we're excited that you you made something that's um, it's so cool, and so many people, you know, are excited to see it. Have that same passion for something. You don't see that a lot. Like creators, they'll create something that's cool to them, but it's not a lot of people <laughs> share that. Yeah. And uh, it's cool to to hear about something that a lot of people can can have that connection with. Mm-hmm. So so thanks again. Yeah, you're you're welcome. Well, my next film is going to be a tech horror movie. So <laughs> I don't know if it will have the same reception. <laughs> okay, no, it's a joke. That's good. Joke. All right. <laughs> cool. Well, to our listeners, if you guys enjoyed this episode, let us know. Feel free to share it with a buddy and uh, leave us a nice rating and review. We'll see you next time. This podcast is hosted by Kyle V. Co-hosted by Adam Treese and Kyle Plunkett and produced by Daniel Matthews. To sponsor an episode or for general advertising inquiries, reach out to us at theozarkpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.